0: Forever so briefly going to talk about peace this morning, and our theme for this Christmas time is peace. I want to begin with a video clip of a peace that happened at Christmas in World War One. It's a reenactment. Check it. Oh, no. I'm a Ein Blitzerkopf! Ein Blitzerkopf! Jim? Jim! Doch, doch, do it! Halt! Hey. Es ist nicht bewaffnet! Nein, Otto! My name is Jim. Mein Name is Otto. Please to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. I'm schön, soon, Danke. Happy Christmas. Frohe Weihnachten. It is an ad about chocolate. (laughs) Let's just get that out the way. But the ad speaks of peace. That is more than just the end of conflict and hostilities. It gives the idea of peace that it's actually a gift. So my prayer is that we would, this Christmas, think about the gift of peace, of who Jesus is. And how that gift works in our life and in our community. Heavenly Father, help us to grasp your peace afresh this day. Lord, I pray that you would calm our minds and our hearts. That we truly would be at peace. A gift that can only come from you. And everybody said, Amen. Peace is more than just work. It's more than risk taking. It's more than trust. I want to talk about these three things from the scripture very quickly. Matthew five, chapter uh, Matthew five, verse nine says, "God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God." You see, peace does require a bit of work, doesn't it? But the work of peace also identifies us as children of God. When we do the work of peace, we are also saying who we are. Are we all children of the Most High God here? Part of being a child of God is to do the work of peace. Peace is powerful and needs action, but peace also identifies us. From Proverbs chapter 12, and verse 20, it says, "'Deceit fills hearts that are plotting evil.'" Joy fills hearts that are planning peace. You know, just thinking about peace does something to us. It's simply saying, plan and think and explore how we can be peaceful, how you can do peace. Just the process, I feel better now, I'm in the centre. Just the process of thinking about peace does something to our hearts. As we plan for peace, as we think about peace, as we explore peace, the joy of the Lord fills us just by thinking about his peace. How often do you think about the peace of God? How often do you think about doing the work of peace? That process fills us with joy. Proverbs chapter 29 says, Discipline your children, amen, and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. You know, to keep the peace, there is, requires a discipline. It requires a discipline. And it requires teaching, teaching about what peace means. And as we teach our children, as we teach them to trust God, it actually requires us to trust them, to trust God. Teaching peace is risky. But it's not my teaching, it's not my cleverness, it's not my... Uh, ways. It's teaching about the promises of God, what the Bible says. Part of the beautiful aspect of the dedication that we witnessed today was just that. Those Psalms are the Word of God spoken into our lives, into the life of beautiful Clara. And the discipline to keep to that, when we speak the Word of God, the discipline to live according to the Word of God is no simple or easy task. But peace is more than these three ideas. Peace is a gift. And Jesus said that he is leaving us with a gift. A gift. Peace is a gift. Peace is something that actually comes from outside of us. It's really hard for us to generate peace ourselves. Almost all the time, we need peace to come from somewhere else. Around 700 years before the birth of Jesus a prophet spoke about this need for the gift of peace to come into our world. And the prophet Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, the humanity of Christ. A son is given to us, his divinity and his identity. And the government will rest upon his shoulders, the authority of Jesus. What do you call that sort of person? You call that sort of person Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But how do we respond to this Prince of Peace? This is a picture of Herod talking to the three wise men. And Matthew 2 gives us a picture of how we respond to Jesus, how we respond to this Prince of Peace who comes into our world. And I want to just offer three quick thoughts from Matthew chapter 2 about three different types of people. The Magi, the king, and the religious leaders. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, the Magi asked this question of the king. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. The first response to Jesus, when Jesus enters our life, what we see in this picture is a picture of surrender. You can't worship unless you surrender. If you don't surrender, it's not worship. These wise men surrendered and put themselves in a place where they would worship God. That was their response to the Prince of Peace. You always worship up the chain, you never worship down the chain. These three wise men surrendered. That is the first response to when Jesus enters into our space, enters into our world. The second response from the next verse says that King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. The second response is a response of conflict. When Jesus comes into our world, conflict occurs. Conflict takes place. Bitterness, rage, pride, I mean, people get upset with Jesus and they don't even know him. We live in a world where people are just against Christ and they're not really sure why. Because when Jesus enters our world and enters into the lives, enters into our thinking, there are responses that we make. And this response is one of conflict, one of I can't accept it, one of I can't go with it. And the problem is it keeps eating away and keeps eating away. And so the conflict rages on and on and on. The final response comes from the next verse. King Herod called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. I call this response the meh response. These teachers of the religious law knew what was going on. So what were they doing in Jerusalem? Jerusalem. If this was so important and so radical and so incredible that three wise men travelled and inquired about it, why weren't the know-it-all religious elite, the wisest, the most experienced, the the, the most uh, status, the, the people who should have known, why were they just in Jerusalem? You know why? Meh. I've seen some young people do that. They do it really well. They just have this look like, Can you do that? Have you seen it before? Yeah. Yeah. The response. They told Herod what was happening, but they didn't go themselves. Yeah. You see, Jesus says this really interesting verse in chapter 10. He says, Don't, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace. Yeah, but Ben, you just said the Prince of Peace. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, this sword is a figurative sword. You see, peace is not just given. Peace must be accepted. And when Jesus comes into our life, it's like a sword. It's like an authority and a power that cannot be denied. When you face a really sharp sword with a really skilled swordsman, you have some quick decisions to make. You either surrender or you go into conflict or you just stand there and go... What happens in our world when Jesus comes with his sword? How does our world respond to him? Well, I think this is why there is conflict. This is why there is... eh, And this is why some surrender and worship. You see, Jesus came with a gift of peace. But it has to be accepted. But this also speaks to us because in our lives, we have not yet reached the place where we are perfect. In our lives, there are these battles in us, in our minds and in our hearts, where Jesus is trying to enter into situations that we're facing, that we're battling, concerns that we have, doubts that we have, anxieties that we have, plans and future ideas and decisions that we have. Jesus comes into those situations, and it's like he's carrying a sword, and we have to make a decision. Do we surrender to Christ? in every part of our life? Do we really trust in the Lord with all of our heart? Because I'm convinced, just like you, that I battle with parts of my heart that haven't really surrendered. So what does Jesus say for us to do? Well, thankfully a chapter later, this is what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. You see, a chapter after Jesus speaks about the sword, Jesus speaks about what does surrender look like? Well, the first thing we have to do is actually realise we're carrying a burden. To actually realise that we, 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 we have sinned. We, we just can't do it ourselves that we really need the gift of peace in our life. If we don't realize we have a heavy burden, how does this make any sense? We have to confess as part of our surrender. And then secondly, we have to accept who Jesus says he is. We have to trust him. We have to trust him that when we take his yoke, it really is going to be light and that he really will teach us. And finally, we need to follow Jesus and his teachings. Jesus' cries, let me teach you. Would you just ponder that question? Jesus comes to you now and says, let me teach you. Do you let Jesus teach you? So, because of this gift of peace, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth, to those with whom God is pleased. The only way God is pleased with us is when we surrender to Jesus because God is pleased with Christ. And so when we surrender to Jesus, we find ourselves in him, clothed with Jesus himself and therefore, God too is pleased with us. That's peace. Heavenly Father, help us to embrace your peace more and more every day. And everybody said, Amen.